0: Hello, and welcome to Michelle's Sanctuary. So this is podcast number two. And in today's podcast, I want to focus on gratitude. But not just any gratitude. I'm going to focus on the thankfulness that we should enable ourselves to feel for the hard stuff. For the things that we are more likely to curse out and wish never happened to us. (laughs) I was in college, I believe, and watching an interview with Maya Angelou. And she was talking about some lover she had at the time who also had some other women on the side, and she found out. And basically, long story short, she learned to say thank you for this experience. She didn't need to be with that guy. Obviously, he was not a keeper. And it was good that she found the truth. Sometimes there are truths that are told to us that we do not want to be thankful for, but the sooner that we embrace them, the sooner that we can move forward. Another point that Maya Angelou was trying to drive home is that by saying thank you, by being in that present moment, even when things are not going as you would desire and you are in so much turmoil or pain or dissatisfaction, that saying thank you acknowledges that this moment will pass as well. The good and the bad, however you're labeling them, these moments will pass. And I've found more and more that if I approach life like this, like it's a game, how can I find a way to be thankful about something that people would not be thankful for? it's a lot easier to get through that harder stuff or even the mundane. It's very easy to feel thankful for or to have waves of gratitude if you were to, say, get a check in the mail for a million dollars or if someone gives you a car or even as simple as someone does something nice for you. Sure, that's easy. But choosing to say thank you elevates your own personal experience and your energy that you're not bogged down into that thought process of why does this always happen to me? Why are things so hard for me? Am I cursed? This is something that I also think applies to fear-based thoughts. So in the past year, I've spoken of how I've had family members and loved ones go through difficult times, one of them being my partner's father came down with the disease, he was an incredibly healthy, strong man, and it has left him paralyzed, in addition to having potentially recurring issues with this disease. And it's an ongoing thing, there is no cure. And I live in a fourth floor walk up for about the past 17 years, I've lived in a fifth floor or fourth floor walk up. And there have been times when a family member may need to use a restroom and would rather get in the car, their car, drive, you know, to a gas station outside the city and use the bathroom than walk up the five flights of stairs or four flights of stairs to my apartment. And I always thought, wow, I don't love these stairs. Um, the first place I accepted because it was the only apartment available that got me out of a single room occupancy. But I became strong using these stairs all the time. And on my birthday, I started to reflect on things I'm really thankful for. And I thought I'm thankful I have been able to live in a four or five floor walk up for the past 16, 17 years, and able every day to walk up and down those stairs. Now there are times coming back from a long haul flight that carrying my 60 pounds of luggage up those stairs, jet lagged and not having slept in the past 26 hours was not fun. But I could still do it. And I still made it up those stairs. So now it's something I count every step. I fell down the stairs in my old apartment and severely sprained my ankle. I still was able to get up and down them. But that moment I wasn't paying attention to those stairs, the accident happened. I was multitasking. And so since then, I came up with a rule that I am not allowed to look at anything other than the stairs. Not checking email. Not checking my phone. As a New Yorker, you can imagine, in addition to having a dog living in a walk-up, just subway commutes and life alone, you know, I can go up and down 40 to 50 flights of stairs easily in a day, not thinking about it. And I want to think about it because that's something that's not a million dollars that was gifted to me. It's not some extravagant thing to have gratitude for. But having watched my partner's father go through this, knowing that he can never go upstairs again, probably. Um... It's really heart-wrenching. And right before he fell ill, it was a rare time in my one-bedroom apartment that my boyfriend and I hosted all of our family for Thanksgiving. So I live a few blocks from Central Park, and we went to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it was just so unusual. It was it was just so random. Everything came together. I had invited his mom, and then last minute his, his dad's had um, – Their plans canceled and they ended up asking if they could show up. And then my family was here and we were in my living room, which I had turned into a dining hall uh, thanks to folding chairs and other little uh, skills of hiding things in small compartments. And it was really magical. And we went around and everyone toasted to say what they were thankful for and what they hoped for in the coming year. And there was this sense, I think both me and my partner felt that this is so magical. There's a reason this fell into place. Like this must be something special. And it was, it was the only time that we will ever be able to assemble everyone in our apartment, given the fact that there are so many stairs and, you know, his dad couldn't come up them. And it really meant a lot. So I was thankful in that moment and sure I'd be equally thankfully, possibly if I had an elevator building, but I do, I I love my home and I love having the ability and the physical ability to go up and down stairs. So every time I see a set of stairs, I look at them and I say, thank you. Thank you. I can go up and down. Um, but another component of this is having seen what happened to his dad, even though I've lived in a walk-up for 16, 17 years, I got I got weighed down with fear. And I was thinking, you know, what if something happens to me? What if I can't? get up and down? What What is my future going to be? Um, how would I afford to move? How would I take care of these things? And I think it's normal to have those fears when you're going through something like this in a family. But then I realized this energy of fear was not serving me at all. In fact, it was making me anxious and it was making me pessimistic. And that's when I really started to realize I needed to turn it around. And I, th- I find this Especially if we fear something and we focus so much energy on what we fear. How often does that thing happen? I see it happen all the time. Uh, You know, with friends, with myself, if I'm so scared of something happening and I focus all my energy on what if, you know, it's kind of wasting that energy instead of saying, I'm scared, I may never walk one day. You know, there's no evidence even in that direction. I say, I am so thankful I can walk today. And I'm so thankful that I can make it to this apartment in the sky. So one of the things I invite you all to try is to do that. When you find that fear happening, just say, hang on. then I'm thankful that everything's going well. But when those things aren't going well, failure. We have all had our share of failure. And so much of it is how do we approach that failure? Um, Another quote that came from that whole Maya Angelou time was this idea that failure exists to inform you that it's time to go in a different direction. How many times in your life has something come up where maybe you even knew? You knew... For a while, you had to go in a different direction, but it was easier, it felt safer to keep on the path you thought you were on than making the change yourself. And then all of a sudden, it blew up in your face, failure came about, and no longer was the choice yours. Now, maybe you had manifested that, or maybe, you know, it just happened as circumstance, but that's another time you might want to say thank you. I know when I was applying to colleges, I had skipped I'd skipped a few years. Um, I, I was very fortunate to graduate college, graduate college when I was 19. And I didn't see this happening. But when I was applying to schools, I knew that I would have to find a way to put, put myself through school. My parents didn't have money. And though academically, I was doing well, I skipped a year that kind of coincide with SATs. I didn't have all my scores. For all of these reasons, I was applying to programs in New York that I did not have the training or experience to apply for. And I was rejected from schools that really would have put me in the hole for $120,000, which I probably would not have recouped considering they were leaning towards things in the music world or in theater. I ended up getting accepted to the school I went to um, on a full scholarship. What happened was, in this experience, I burned all the rejection letters that I received from other schools. And I was kind of embarrassed that this was a school I had to go to. I didn't care, though. I wanted to go to New York City. And that experience enabled me to meet my best friend who ended up being a groupie on the road with me, and we chased Bette Midler around the country, and we wrote a book about it that was published, a memoir, you know, at the age of 18. It was exciting. Not only that, I ended up being in a school where I could find a way to get my bachelor's in two years. None of these other programs would have allowed that. And it gave me the freedom that I really wanted. So it was something that felt like total failure. I got into the school that I didn't want to go to, but I got two years of my life to go do and explore whatever I wanted to do. So there's a point at which I look back now, I'm like, that was not a failure. That was a redirect. That was perfect. I just didn't see it at the time. And I know a lot of times losing a job can be failure. That is something my partner has grappled with due to corporate layoffs. And I have seen that. I personally have never had a full-time salaried position. So I've never been in a place where I was completely vulnerable that if I lost that, I lost my self-worth or I lost a routine. My routine has been lack of routine. <laughs> um, but that said, a few years ago, I was hired for this client. It was an agency I was working with, and I was meant to represent some exclusive truffle salt company at The fancy food show in New York. And it was something that I really wanted to do. I loved food. It was completely paying me below what I would typically be paid. And when I showed up, there were a number of rather chauvinist men that were in charge. All the women working were in four or five inch spiked heels, tight pencil skirts, looked miserable and uncomfortable. And I could see the direction of how women were treated in this company. Anyway, I showed up, and the whole campaign, which I was told I was going to be representing a brand and talking about it, just typical things that you get hired to do as a spokesmodel, they put me in a spandex shirt and told me my job was to walk around the entire exhibit hall and put truffle salt on their hand, the hands of people that were coming off the subway and out of cabs, and lick it. Now... (laughs) no, this was not my dream job. And no, this was not something I'd ever consider doing. It was humiliating. And eventually I managed to get like a few sample cups, but they didn't want to use those. And it was me and another girl who was my partner in crime for the day. And I was signed on to do it for three days. And I just thought, I do not want to do this. I only did this because I wanted to be at the show. I wanted to learn about food. I wanted to you know, experience the show. So the day ended, I went home, and that night my agent called and said, they don't want you to come back. They said you're not as attractive as your pictures, and you're not the look they want for their brand. Now at this point in my life, those photos had booked me in national commercials that were running and making me a lot more than whatever ridiculously low-ball salary I was getting to... Sprinkle salt on people's hands. I should have said thank you, (laughs) but I didn't. I felt really offended and upset. And I was like, why, once again, am I in a situation where I've allowed these older men who are simply objectifying women to do this? And that's the kind of thing I had grown to expect working in the fashion industry, working in the beauty industry. I did not think that a company with truffles that pigs have dug out of the mud turning into some cheap salt that I'm then required to sprinkle on people's germ-infested hands so they can lick it would be a dream job or be a place where I would be ridiculed for how I looked and of course I had sent you know a picture at the show to my agents just a requirement typically when you're checking into these things so she knew what I looked like and you know in the end it was my ego that was upset, and it felt like failure because it was already such a demeaning position that this idea that I could not keep that was humiliating. But then I realized they let me go, and I still had the past. So I had access to what I really wanted, was to go to the show, to meet people, to try all these foods. So I went the next day, and I ended up talking with a brand, thanks to social media, posted a photo. I won whatever contest they were having, and that was more money than I got for just attending and participating than if I had actually worked. And the next day, same thing. And I had, you know, I was able to take home all this leftover gourmet goods because I had an exhibitor badge. So in the end, it worked out. And I know it's just this was a three-day job, but it's something that had resonated through different gigs and bookings in my life that it just was... A horrible feeling I did not I was transitioning more into the food world into the meditation space because I didn't want that anymore and here it was representing it itself again so maybe it was something that I feared and I attracted again but finally I was able to say thank you thank you glad that door closed I didn't really want to open it so that's another thing to consider when you're going through something that's going to hit some of those bigger fears we have like not having enough money not having security, not having the ability to take care of things in the way you want when things are out of your control and you're doing the best that you can and you're presenting yourself in an honest, authentic way. It's painful. But say thank you. Say thank you. I'm not sure if any of you have done the gratitude journal at the end of the day experience. I find I tend to do that Not consistently, to be honest, but when things are hard or challenging or I'm under stress, it's a lot easier to do that. But for fun, if you want a challenge, if you want a game going throughout your day, trying to think of things you're grateful for, how about trying to think about things you're grateful for that aren't easy to be grateful for, things that Most people would think you're crazy for saying, oh, I'm thankful for that. Like, I'm thankful for being in a fourth floor walk up and walking up those stairs every day. Or I'm thankful that my boss is really obnoxious and ignorant because it requires me to be more on the ball and to start looking for places to work where I don't have an ignorant boss. And maybe it's lighting a fire to do that and change a direction, because failure will definitely help you change that direction, but so will awareness. Maybe you could skip that moment of feeling failure when you already know intuitively that you want to go on a different path, and you can take those reins a little bit sooner. But in the end, you're doing everything right. We're all doing what we need to be doing on this journey, learning at the pace we need to be learning, Perhaps some of those lessons keep reappearing so we can relearn them and hopefully eventually move on. But saying thank you for all of it is going to give you a lot of inner peace and the trust in knowing that nothing lasts forever. So, thank you again for listening. And so, I know in my last podcast, I didn't entirely make it clear, but Each week that we have one of these lovely conversations, there's going to be an accompanying five-minute, perhaps longer, but for now, five-minute meditation that you can follow up with when you are in a safe place or you have a lunch break or you just have a few minutes to yourself that you can listen, reconnect with what's going on with you, and have a great day. Thanks, guys. So by your child.